Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am here with Kate Beaucherelle. Spot on. Yay. Okay. Uh, it's about halfway um, through pronouncing the last name. It, it, I remembered that you said uh, that your husband was French. So I was like, oh, French pr- pronunciation. Um, so I am here with Kate Beaucherelle. Uh, she is an author and friend of mine from Blue Sky. And she um, has been super kind uh, to come on and chat with me today. She she seems to be almost as excited about it as I am. So we are going to talk books. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk everything in between. Uh, probably the rugby match today uh, a little bit. And um, so grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. And we're going to get started. Kate, how are you today? I I am very well, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. I, um, you you had mentioned before we started recording that you do uh, live radio, um, but I I was telling somebody last week, um, and I've told several people this um, over the past year or so um that i i find myself being a sort of training ground uh for podcast guests uh for authors um because i tend to get a lot of guests who have never been on a podcast before and so they aren't the most comfortable with the the kind of format that podcasting mm. requires and you know and I've had several who have podcasts of their own and so are are quite comfortable um but you have um you know a live radio show and so obviously you're you're very comfortable with talking into a microphone and you know and and all of that so what what is different between doing a, a live radio show and something like podcasting what would be different between the two um live shows i mean because a lot of the stuff that i do is i commentate on um tech emerging tech in the news so if there's a news story about cryptocurrency or something like that i end up on the bbc so i'll be on either bbc news or bbc tv and i have literally like two minutes and you know how much time you've got you know that they're counting down to the news or something like that and uh, one of my friends gave me the best advice, which was literally write down three points you want to make and don't swear on a live microphone. And I have stuck to that rule ever since. But it really is. It's like big game. Um, you, 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 you know what you've got to say 
and you you just do it and you, at the end you can't remember what you said but you know you covered everything yeah i um i've thought recently i i get so many ideas um <clears throat> and i think part of that is creative nature and part of that is adhd um, i've noticed that a lot of people who have adhd tend to get tons of ideas constantly and you know get overwhelmed with trying to figure out which ones to follow through on um <laughs> and because they, they want to follow through on all of them um and i i recently had the idea that i want to do daily two-minute book reviews here on the on the podcast it's not something that i think that i could do in the next month um because i would want to have you know a bunch recorded um and scheduled but your idea of you know writing down the three points is um you know because i would have to write a script basically um in order to make sure that it fit into two minutes um you know because there i couldn't just hit record record for two minutes and expect to be done at the end of two minutes um i would cut myself off in the middle of a word most likely <laughs> it, it, take, it takes a bit of practice i i did something it was during i think it was during lockdown and I had a, a book come out on in March 2020, so really bad timing. And that was a nonfiction book. It's a textbook. Um, and it was I was supposed to be at all sorts of conferences promoting it. And, and of course, nothing happened. I've still got some of the original author copies that I've uh, to, to shift, although it sells really well with with the, the, the publisher. And, um, and so I started doing a little YouTube channel. And I thought I'm just going to do two minutes. So exactly the same thing that you're thinking of. And it was really tough to start with. And I timed myself and go, no, that, that's two minutes 30. And I haven't. And eventually I got it down to this really, really short. I'm just going to do these points. And I think that that was actually um, the first time I did a BBC show. They said they'd found the YouTube channel and they're like, you can say something really quickly and then shut up. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's well, and it's not about talking quickly either. It's about concise, you know, concise. you have to be, yeah, because you have to be able to speak clearly. I mean, because mm. when I when I think about being able to, you know, talk quickly, I think of the sped up versions at the end of like car commercials you know where they shove all of this information at the end in like five seconds and you get to the end of it and you're like what did they say advertising regulations insist that we do this but, the, but, 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 but yes. yeah and it's like our our lawyers are insisting that we say i mean and they could be honestly saying just absolute rubbish and you would have absolutely no idea and you know or auctioneers you know yeah. the auction the auction callers and but you know i would want you know a concise i would want to you know people to be able to understand me but i would want it to be like a full review even if it's you know one that 
is like a comprehensive review that's written on my blog and on my website. Yeah. You know, I would want to be able to say at the end, hey, for a full comprehensive review, go visit my website. But I would still want, you know, full thoughts to be like on the podcast. And so being able to shove that into two minutes is it overwhelms my brain, honestly. And I'm like, I want to be able to do this, but I have to be able to like plan ahead and work it out in advance because there's no way that I would be able to do like what I do here and, you know, with a guest and be able to just watch the clock and record for two minutes and then be done. There's no way I'd be able to do that and get all of my thoughts out. Oh, the trick is to literally have have your, I'm going to say what the best thing was. I'm going to say what the, um, what the, 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 the thing that I, that I wasn't sure of was, and I want to say that it was brilliant or I recommend it or whatever. And that's, and you just have your little format. Yeah. Yeah. It would, I mean, it would have to be like, you know, short synopsis, like, you know, 20 second synopsis, you know, what I really liked about the book, what I didn't really like about the book, and then whether or not I recommend it, you know, that that kind yeah. of thing. It had to be like those four points. But just being able to plan that ahead of time and be able to write that out and, you know, record it in two minutes, it just, it really, I would have to take like a full day and record like a whole ton of them in advance and, you know, just have them ready to go so that I have like a month's worth (laughs) recorded in advance. So then I have a month to plan another month's worth and record another month's worth. And, you know, so it's, it, it, I'm like sitting here just kind of freaking out, just thinking about it. So (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm, I think that's a project for like, you know, next year or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah. So are you reading anything currently that you want to talk about? And keep in mind, we love our indie books here. So if it's indie, you get bonus points. Oh, I read bits. Every so often I go back to Terry Pratchett and I'll read a bit because it's just so wonderfully soothing and and, and the the imagination just goes off miles. But I have a couple of, um, I'm part of a, a group of authors that, are all based in this in this area where I live in the northeast of England, and the, there's several of us that have a lot of books out. And I particularly love one of my friends has a, a series of completely nuts steampunk books, um, the Hannibal Love's Smith Adventures. They're fantastic fun, um, and and another of the group writes um, really really fast paced like galactic war military fiction so we have this we have this wonderful range of um of indie books and also a lot of short stories that we we all write so uh, we have a, an anthology series as well that we've we've all contributed to i mean there's there's probably 70 writers that have been in this anthology series from all over the world but it's kind of it's done by the publishers here in the in the local town and um and yeah we all contribute short stories to that as well so so that's kind of my go to for uh, in terms of the 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 indie the indie scene around here, so the steampunk books you're gonna have to talk about those. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I um, I, lo- I love steampunk. So, 
so um so my friend mark writes the stories of, of hannibal smith who is a, a something of a, a cad uh, and an adventurer um and who's the villains in the book are, are are so funny there is Elonis Musk who is firing a rocket at the moon from his volcano lair and there's <laughs> there's um the, there are airship the Russian airships uh one of the captains is a Vladimir Putin and it's just fantastically daft it really really is um they're 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 fun reads and every every book has had something in it that's made me just howl with laughter out loud um i love that i every once in a while i my husband doesn't read he he just doesn't um he's um he prefers movies he prefers you know tv shows the strategy of video games you know he is just you know sitting down with words um just does not appeal to him it's just not his thing and you know there's no judgment um you know it's just (laughs) and it honestly i you know when we first met and i found out he wasn't a reader you know it was kind of one of those what Like, you know, people like you exist? Like, what? And, you know, then it kind of switched to the kind, the, you know, well, you just haven't found the right book yet. You know, and so now, next week, we'll be married five years. We've been together seven. And, you know, it's just kind of, okay, so he's not a reader. You know, it's just, that's just not who he is. And so... I, you know, I've had the picky bookworm for five years. Uh, Next May will be five years. And I get to talk to him about all these books that I read without worrying about spoilers. Like I can tell him the end and I can, you know, and so because I know he's never going to read them because he's not a reader. And so I get to, you know, spoil all of these books and not, you know, I get to tell him about these funny scenes or, you know, these really cool books that I read and, um, you know, and I don't have to worry about spoilers. And so, you know, seven years later, it's like, you know, I, I. That's, that's actually really cool. Um, because the, uh, just the idea of being able to be enthusiastic about a book um and not not have to wait for somebody to to read it and getting frustrated about what chapter have you got to <laughs> <laughs> i am i am so sorry my um skype on my computer when i open the app it's super weird um every once in a while it'll just kick me out um but i prepare for it because i open it on the um the web app as well. And, um, so I can usually just pretty quickly, um, get over to the web app. Um, and the only sad thing is it doesn't stop recording when it does. that. (laughs) So I'm really glad that you kind of realized what was going on and started talking. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it was you or whether it was one of my kids suddenly going online and playing something really heavy for the bandwidth. No, nope. That was, that was me. Um, and it usually takes a little bit longer into the call before that happens. Um, and so I usually have a little bit of warning, um, 
and I can, I can kind of set my guests talking while, um, while I switch over, but nope, I was in the middle of a sentence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am very sorry, you guys, that that's, that I did that. Um, but, um, I, you know, I was just, you know, kind of talking about, you know, seven years, seven years later, um, you know, just be kind of being used to my husband, not being a reader and, you know, appreciating the fact that, you know, I, I can spoil these books, um, because I, I know he's not going to read them. Not going to read them. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have the opposite thing with, uh, sometimes with TV shows and go, have you, have you watched up to episode three and people go no come on I want to watch episode four and I don't want to spoil it for anybody <laughs> so I really get how good that is yeah I um you know my my husband does that with tv shows um while we're watching them um he he can usually tell like who the killer is um within like the first 10 minutes he'll be like oh well that's him and Aww. You know, and it it used to drive me up the wall. Just it used to drive me absolutely bonkers. And I, you know, while now seven years later, I don't particularly like it. I've kind of gotten used to it um, because it's you know the first probably two years. Um, we would, you know, I would just constantly tell him, would you be quiet? Would you just, you know, and, you know, then I spent, you know, three years or so just kind of so quietly seething, um, you know, and then just kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, I can either spend the rest of my life being really irritated about this, or I can just get used to it because it's not going to change it's not going to stop it's not something that he can change because he would try I mean he he would realize that it irritated me and he would honestly try to stop and he just couldn't and you know it was just it in the brain out the mouth I mean there was just no filter and you know but he would try and he would put an honest effort into it and then it would last maybe three days <laughs> and <clears throat> you know, a week at the most. And, you know, then it would start up again. And, you know, so I just finally realized I, you know, I'm either, I'm going to need to get used to this or <laughs> I can spend the rest of my life just being mad at him for this. And I opted to get used to it. You know, it's, it, that's a really dumb thing to be mad at your spouse for. I'm so it just really kind of is. There are there are way better things to be mad at your spouse for um, than something that they literally cannot change about themselves. Um, you know, if it were a habit, like, you know, you can learn to pick up your dirty clothes or you can learn to load the dishwasher, or you can learn to do this, or you can learn to do that. You know, those are things that you can learn. And those are things that you can do for yourself. That was just something that wasn't going to change about him. It just wasn't. And, you know, so a little bit of marital advice um, out there for you guys uh, <laughs> from the, from the five-year veteran. Um, but you know, just 
pick your battles because that's that is just not one of them and it's it wasn't worth the it was not worth my mental health it wasn't worth my peace and you know it just it wasn't worth the constant arguments honestly so um okay um after, after that little bit of advice um for everybody out there um what we are about 20 minutes in um i cannot believe it has flown already um and i just realized that we have not fully introduced you yet so i am um I'm going to set you talking for just a minute um, and uh, let you kind of introduce yourself. Tell us uh, when you started writing, why you started writing, and one or two things that inspire you. Oh, my word. Okay, so um, how did I start writing? I started writing because well, I started writing when I was eight because my dad gave me a typewriter, an old typewriter, because he got a new one. And so I started writing little bits of fan fiction and little stories and little scripts and, and so on. Um, and I never really took that anywhere. Uh, I didn't ever think I would write a book. I had other things to do. Um, and then in around 2010, I was working for a social media company um, that I'd, I'd set up with a couple of people and we were doing blogs for the first time. Blogs were starting to happen. Twitter was starting to happen. And so I started writing blogs and I was writing blogs about business and I realized they all made something and they made a business book. And I sent the business book to a publisher and the publisher said, yes, we will publish this. And I'm like, oh, that was easy. Um, and then a couple of years later, somebody approached me and said, I want to write a book about cybersecurity. And I, I, I've got a title and I, I know what to put in it. I'm like, great. OK, so you can write. I know the, the, the space. This is going to be good. And I'm like, brilliant. Oh, you know, I can have a word with my publisher and, and all this. And then he said, why don't you do it as fiction? And I said, don't be silly. I can't write fiction. And, you know, last time I did that, I was eight. And um, he said, no, go on. And he nagged me for about six months. And finally, I woke up one morning and there was a, there'd been a cyber attack. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I wrote like a 300 word scenario and sent it to him and went, do you mean like this? And he said, yeah, keep writing. And so this character popped into my into being as I sort of worked on who the character might be. And then the character did things and a book emerged. <laughs> and I went looking, I went to my business publisher and went, Will you, would you publish this? And they went, no, we don't do fiction. <laughs> and then um, somebody said, well, didn't you know there's a, an independent publisher in the town you actually live in? And this is actually the person who writes the Galactic War series. Um, and so I went to them and went, what do I do? And they said, well, we can do an, we can edit it. We can do a cover for you and then you publish it. And this is how self-publishing works. I'm like, okay. Um, but I'd left a body in the corridor at the end of the first one. So I had to write the second one and then three is a really nice number. And then kind of, I wanted to carry the story on. So I wrote the fourth one and then the fifth one. And now I'm researching the sixth one. Uh, so <laughs> and so it just, just took off from that. But, and in the meantime, I've done, I've done proper books. I've written an MBA textbook about blockchain and cryptocurrency. It's on the Harvard catalog. I've got just, I've literally just got a contract for another nonfiction book 
that's just landed. Um, I've written short stories. Um, I, yeah, I, I just write all of the time. <laughs> well, not all of the time, I, but I like writing. Um, so what is something that inspires you? Oh, crikey. Uh, I'm inspired by the tech that I work with, I think. Um, there's all, all sorts of different inspirations because there's literary inspirations um, and then there's, there's, there's life. So I'm inspired by the tech because everyone, I, I work with emerging technology, so I will sit down with businesses, I'll stand up on stage, I'll, I'll, I'll go on the radio talking about blockchain, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, uh, mixed realities, the arrival of the metaverse, the, all of this sort of stuff. And I'm interested in how that's going to change our world, how it's going to transform things, what it really is going to mean for society and people and businesses, and whether things are really going to change that much, what's actually going to break. <laughs> that's always fun. Um, and so pushing tech 25 years into the future makes me go, oh, OK, could I have an evil artificial intelligence in a cave? Yes, yes, I can. Um, uh, and so, so what I work with day to day actually inspires me to push that forward. Literary side, I mean, I'm, I'm the generation that grew up listening to the, the very first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio show when it was first broadcast. I've, I've got the original paperback. So I grew up with the, like the quirky fiction. So I've got a little bit of quirky stuff that I write in terms of short stories as well. Um, one of the books that I really go back to a lot is David Brin's Glory Season. I really like that book. It's all first person, which I find really hard to write. Um, and there's a fantastic, um, there's a fantastic gender reveal in there, in that the, the you've got so drawn into the story that you have the same shock as one of the characters when you read it for the first time. And it's beautifully done and I, I wanted to be able to to write something that good so yeah all sorts of different influences backwards and forwards and you know I just uh, mix it all up and see what comes out of my subconscious that's yeah that is um that's honestly what a lot of authors do is they just you know kind of find those different inspirations and you know just kind of toss them all in a blender and see, see what comes out. Um, whether it's, you know, this ugly brown color or if it's this beautiful green color, you know. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a good one actually in the summer because my, um, my, my steampunk friend was doing the next anthology. And that, that he's one of the editors for the, for the anthology. And he said, I've got a little, I've got a little story of a, of a, a little avian who's off on, on the galactic rite of passage tour and getting into all sorts of scrapes. I've written five short stories for, for that character already and I'm starting to turn it into a book. And he said, oh, we need a Finch story. Can we send Finch to a steampunk planet, please? <laughs> I can't write steampunk. My brain doesn't do steampunk. I can read it and enjoy it, but my brain doesn't do steampunk. And so I'm struggling with this and he's given me a deadline and I'm, I'm just not there. And we went to a theme park in France called Futuroscope, which is near near where, where, um, where we go on, hol on holiday. And there is a, a ride there, which is where all of your queuing 
and there is all of this stuff around Jules Verne, the so, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Voyage to the Moon and Voyage to the Centre of the Earth and all this sort of stuff. And I came out of that long queue for the ride with my, all my ideas for the short story and I went off and wrote it. So my, my, there is a steam chicken, there is Queen Victoria, there is, <laughs> there is steam powered airships flying across the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, whatever, whatever works for you um, to help give you um, that inspiration. So what um, I, I kind of like asking uh, authors this uh, because I like getting the, the various opinions on what they think. Um, my personal opinion is that there, so there was something going around Twitter, I think it was, a while ago, that authors, in order to be good authors, you have to read every day. And my thought on that is, it is not important for an author to read every day but it is important for an author to read. What, what is your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's important for an author to, I think it's important for an author to read. And I'm one of the authors that read a lot before I started writing and less once I did start writing. Um, I, I always had my nose in a book, always. So I went all the way through my dad's John Wyndham books, the Ray Bradbury's, the Arthur C. Clarke, some of the Asimovs, but I couldn't get away with them, um, the, the Heinleins and moved on to, you know, Lord of the Rings and all this sort of stuff. And so I always had that, the, I always had words. And I think the more words you've absorbed, <laughs> then the better you can express what's flying around in your brain. But I mean, reading every day, I do read every day. I read... I read every, I read nonfiction. I read fiction. I read. I'll you know. I'll, I'll pick up a short story. I might be reading a book during you know in the evening. I do it as leisure, rather than oh crikey, I need to read, because actually what I need to do is write, because there's a, a I, you need the you need the words, but it's your own imagination and subconscious that produces the story. And the more words that you have absorbed and the more styles that you have read over time, the better you're able to express it. So I don't think we need to go, oh goodness, I've got to read every day. Um, I think we just do read naturally. Um, I, think author, I think authors will are the ones who'll pick up the cereal packet and read what's on the back. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the ones that will you know actually pick up a magazine and start reading it because it's we like words. Obsessed with words yeah because we like words and and you read and you learn what what style what, what the nice style is you read and you you understand different ways of expressing things and that could be from any source at all I mean randomly I um sometimes put stuff into chat gpt I'll put a a, a thing in and say you know condense this to 800 words it might be something that I'm writing for for work and I can't quite get it into a word count or a, a character count and I'll look at how that generates 
you know, it switches paragraphs around and you go, that's interesting, that impact is better. Or we'll concatenate two different statements and you go, oh yeah, I did repeat myself. And so you're always learning from everything that you do. I'm not saying that I copy and paste. I literally just go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, that's a better way to express that sentence. Yeah, that, yeah, that was actually going to be um, my, my next question because, um, you know, a lot of authors, you know, don't agree with AI and um, using AI to write books and that oh, God, no. I am, I am one of those people like my, yeah. you know, I, I mm. very specifically tell people my website is not used with AI no, I you can't. AI to write yeah. my, to write my blog post or anything. And no. I, you know, I have actually unsubscribed from other bloggers for stating in their newsletters that they use AI to write their blog posts. I have unsubscribed from them because, you know, I'm like, yeah. no. no. No, it's it's a tool for certain things. It's not something that replaces you. Because I work with emerging tech, I know how it works and I know what they are and, and I understand where they can be useful. And what they're not is composers. They're, 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 they're the predictive text on your phone, but way more complicated. Um, and you wouldn't get predictive text to write your book, which is what a large language model is. You can get it to do something that looks really, you know, quite impressive. And, uh, but the, there's no, there isn't any soul in it. And because you're generating things with, with AI, I think we're going to get to a point where it's kind of eating its own tail because all of the, the, the data that it absorbs, some of it is going to start being having been generated by it. And then you lose all the, the human. All it's doing is mimicking aspects of human intelligence. It, it's, it, it isn't big or clever. Yeah. It's just a big repository of words. It's, it's just a language model. I have this argument with students as well when they, when they start using it for research. And I go, you do know it hallucinates. Go and read the research paper. Oh, but it summarizes the paper. Yes, but if you read the paper, you'll see all of the things that are coincidental or interesting that you didn't know were in there. And ChatGPT is not going to give you that. Yeah, I, 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 it's, an, it's a tool. And if it's used badly, I'm not interested. If it's used well, that, that's great. But there are, there are time, there's a time and a place. Yeah, it's I, I think that, you know, I, I will use AI for like topic research for, mm, like blog posts and, you know, things like that, keyword research uh, for yeah. blog posts and, and things like that. But, you know, the, the whole put in, you know, a few ideas and keywords and say, hey, write me a blog post, and then you just go in and edit and then post the blog post. I I have issues with that. I do too. Yeah. You know, it, it removes and, your authentic voice. Yeah, it saves time, I'm sure. And yeah, you can you can post four or five times a week that way. Yeah, I'm sure that's great. Yeah, but you're not but posting yourself. But yeah, and you're well, and you're stealing the humanity from your website. As, yeah, you know, I, I I absolutely agree with that. You know, that's my opinion, and I personally will never use AI to write my blog posts ever. No, and 
you know, so it's, you know, and the, the people that do, if I am subscribed to them and I find out they do, I am subscribed. I, I just do. I, cause I, I can't, you know, I can't support that. I, I just can't. I'm like, so, um, cause yeah, it allows you to post a lot of, co- excuse me, post a lot of content very quickly, yeah. but that's, you know, it's not what a blog is for, no. it's for you know, in, in my opinion, that is not what a blog is for. A blog is for your personal thoughts and, you know, especially because I write book reviews most of the time, book reviews are my personal opinion. And if I used AI to write a book review, yeah, the, the look on your face says everything. And I almost kind of wish I was posting video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I cannot imagine using AI to write a book review. That just. Well, AI me- doesn't do sentiment, so it wouldn't mean anything at all. The AI, AI cannot cannot do. It's not good at emotion. It, it all it's doing is is saying, you know, this this is it's a probability based on all the data we've got that this phrase is seventy eight percent joy and twenty one percent fear and one percent, you know, chocolate, and that's literally <laughs> all it does. <laughs> I, I, I was playing with with one model um, a few months ago, and I was putting lyrics in from different bands to see what it came out as. Uh, and I think I put in some. Do you, do you know the Smiths, big UK band from the eighties? Uh, and I put some of their lyrics in, and it came out. This is fifty percent fifty percent sadness and fifty percent fear. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> And then I put in Wet Leg, which is a, a new band in, in the UK who are very good. Um, and it came out, that's, you know, that's 95% joy. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's all it's doing. It's going, OK, I'm going to tag this as positive sentiment. So there's no emotion. So, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're lost if you're trying to do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it just, stuff like that just doesn't even, just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Okay, so what, um, tell us a little bit about the books that you have written. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so what are they called? And uh, tell us just a little bit about the story. Okay, so um, so we're looking at the Sim Cavalier series. Um, uh, the first one is called Bitcoin Hurricane, which is a terrible title because there's nothing in there about Bitcoin. Um, and then we move on through Hacked Future and Tangled Fortunes and Critical Nexus and, and, and Unstable Realities. And then the last one is going to be called Quantum Breach. And I'm working on that at the moment. So it, it started off, as I said, as, um, uh, as a cybersecurity book. Um, and my friend said, you know, write, write do it as fiction, because if you write a story, people will read the story and then they might change their habits and actually there's academic research that backs that up that if you learn something from a story it goes it goes into your background knowledge as if you've learned it as a kid you know um i think one of my favorite ones for that is whenever i'm sweeping uh, i'll think um what is it um draw the broom don't flick and that was ma ingles in banks of plum creek i think (laughs) That was how I learned to sweep because it was in the little house books. Um, and, and so things, 
love them uh but things that you things that you read go into your into your general knowledge so um people use this to 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 very very um unfortunate effect when they're trying to influence elections so you get cambridge analytica and so on telling stories that are going to resonate with people and change the way that they vote and stuff like that but the whole idea of if you learn it from a story you might go and change your behavior is a really good one so um so i literally started off with there's a cyber attack you know our hero goes in and fixes it but there is a there is a message waiting for them in the in the code that they have um decrypted um to to fight off the malware and it's directed at them so their anonymity is at risk and it's warning that there's a lot of attacks to come so in that first book they're spending their time trying to trying to stop the attacks but what they're actually doing um, by um, by the design of the criminals is that all of the updates and the protection that they're putting in place is actually already infected with malware. And so when that's ready to trigger, it just takes down every system and they have to they have to absolutely um, fight that. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're one of the last lines of defense to, um, to stop the, the cyber attacks. And so um, a lot of that is, is almost, it's real stuff. I mean, the, the, the original virus that I heard about when I woke up and wrote my first few hundred words was the WannaCry virus that had taken down most of the National Health Service and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and the idea of, of actually sending malware through an update and um, that happened with a virus that was released um, in, by Russia, I think, called NotPetya um, a few months later. So these things really happen. And all the cyber attacks and stuff in there, a lot of them come from real life. So I've had permission to use um, to use scenarios from actual cybersecurity people. I sit there and, you know, watch the videos from DEF CON on how to you know how to hack a quantum computer and i go to cyber shows and, and you know listen to security experts that i randomly meet on trains like i did last thursday i've got lots of notes so so yeah so so we we gradually over the series we follow our uh, our hero and the the team around them um as they grow and change and there are uh, and we meet the 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 cyber criminal behind everything and they're all shades of grey. They all have reasons for doing things. They can be compromised. So I have loads of fun with the characters and they go and do things that I don't expect sometimes. Um, and then out of, out of just a, a chance thing in the second book, we get an evil AI that appears um, and that is coming to its, um, coming to its, uh, climax in in the sixth book so uh, so yeah that that's that's where that's where i am with them absolutely love writing them they're a real challenge because the characters are just getting more complex as time goes on absolutely love it will you um send me links um so that i can get those in the show notes for everybody absolutely of course i will okay 
Um, and also the um, the two books um, that you, or the two authors that you recommended as well. Oh, Mark, Mark, Mark Hayes and C.G. Hatton. Yes, I'll, yes send those, uh, I'll send those notes over as well. Yes. Um, and I will get those in the show notes as well. Um, I do. Um, I create it as a blog post uh, so that it um, so that it will go out to my subscribers um, awesome. in my um, weekly weekly, I think. Um, post notification um, to my subscribers. So um, that way they'll be able to uh, go and listen directly on my website. So um, yeah, so um, I will uh, look for that um, email. Um, I will get all of this probably put up tomorrow. Um, when you and I are done recording, I get to go to a birthday party. Um, so um okay. So it probably won't be this afternoon that I will get everything done, but it will most likely be tomorrow morning. Um, I'll have everything done um, and up for everybody. So um, uh, once that's I fine by me because it's evening now and yeah. everybody's home and we've got the the next rugby match to watch. I mean, we have the heaters <laughs> for dinner, so uh, okay. I, I'm all good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, okay, so. Um, do you have any other book recommendations that you would like to offer or um, any other things that you would like to talk about? Well, I will, I will um, give you the details of the Harvey Duckman um, anthologies as well, because there's, uh, oh gosh, 13 or 14 of those now. And there's some great little stories in there and lots of authors that you can discover through the, through the books. Um, they're, they're, they're undergoing a bit of a, uh, a revamp at the moment but I think the original ones are still available and there's as I say there's a new steampunk one coming out with with my little finch little avian um uh, managing to save the day by um I, I I believe putting some propellant in a steam chicken's exhaust port I do get silly when I write finch <laughs> so 13 or 14 anthologies that is that's a lot yes so what, what is your favorite part? We're going to completely switch gears here. What is your favorite part about living in the UK? Oh, my word. Um... <laughs> that's a really, that's a really tough one. My, yeah, I, the, I, I ask because my, my husband does, um, he works for a company that does um, accounting for um, a another company. He like they outsourced mm -hmm. um, accounting, yeah. um, and this company is based in London. They're an international company, but they're based in London. And he told me one day, he said, if they were to ever like call me up and ask me to come and work directly for them in London. He's like, I'm just telling you right now, I'll, I'll take it. And <laughs> I, and I told him, I was like, if you didn't, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I was like, I would be so mad. And, you know, living in, you know, London is like on my bucket list. And, you know, I was like, and it's not like I would come over there and not have any friends you know I was like I have like so many friends that live over in the UK I was like it's not like I'd come over there and like not have anybody to talk to and you know I was like and I can run the picky bookworm I was like I can run that oh, for many yeah. you know so you know having, it's 
I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with that right now. So what is your favorite part about, about living over there? I think I need to think about this as a almost in, in the opposite way. So when I, cause I did live in the States at one point, I lived in Denver for a year when I was um, 21 and uh, I absolutely loved that. But the things I missed, I think was that when I was living in Denver, I would drive up to see my friends in Boulder for a drink. It was, a, you know, getting on for a two hour drive there and back just to go for a drink. If I drive from two hours from here, I'm in Scotland. If I could drive for two hours in another direction, I'm in the middle of the Lake District. Um, so uh, things are things are closer. It's a much smaller scale. Um, and the one thing I really missed was curry because we have all of the, the, the um, Indian and Pakistani heritage that, that comes into the UK and we, we have the most incredible food. Um, everyone jokes about British food, but we have all of the, 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 the fantastic curries, our pies are second to none. I remember making chicken pie for my um, friends in my apartment block when I lived in Denver and they were just like, you could sell this. And I'm like, no, it's just what we eat. <laughs> So yeah, the, there's the, the the proximity of things, and also just yeah, um, I, I think that we we're very very lucky to have so many things within easy reach, um, and and a very very diverse um, population as well. Okay. Um. Yeah, curry definitely. I where I live in Oklahoma. We, um, we have one, two, three, four, five, five colleges, um, within the, you know, my immediate area. And, you know, so we get a lot and they're like pretty major colleges. And so we get a lot of people from, around the world uh, mm -hmm. come here to go to go to school and so we have you know a lot of you know really good Mexican restaurants and we have yeah. a couple of really good Indian restaurants mm -hmm. and um you know we have some good Chinese restaurants and you know the the thing that I struggle with when it comes to the the Chinese restaurants in particular is that they tend to Americanize the um the food because a lot of Americans are picky about the the foreign food that they'll eat. I am using quote fingers, uh, you yeah. guys, <laughs> um, just just to um, accentuate what I mean by foreign food. Also, picky here too, but we still get so much of the authentic stuff, and and I really don't miss stuff like the Cheesecake Factory because uh, like a starter there is like an entire meal here. <laughs> I really don't miss that. <laughs> okay, so I'm American and I don't miss the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could get up on a whole soapbox about um, why people should not eat at the Cheesecake Factory. C completely fair, um, yeah. Yeah, so there are so many better places to eat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but just just our portions are smaller, and it's so much easier to stay in your jeans. <laughs> oh yeah, our our portions here are, are huge. Um, we we eat at home a lot, um, and we we order out, but we'll like order food and then like cut it in half and like save some mm. for later. Oh yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we love our all you can eat buffets here too. Um, that's, yeah. that's another, that's another thing. Um, when my, my husband and I have one, all you can eat place that we will go eat. Um, but it's probably the healthiest all you can eat that we could choose. <laughs> Um, it's who hot, it's called who hot, but they're, um, it's a Mongolian barbecue. Oh, nice. Oh, so yeah, good. So good. Um, I always dump a bunch of kale in mine. Um, and my husband just kind of looks at me and I'm, and I'm like, what? And he goes, kale. And I'm like, so like you put corn in yours. So just, <laughs> um, but you know, so I, you know, I, I try to eat as, as healthy as I can when we go, um, you know, to the, all you can eat, um, all you can eat place. But, you know, we, you know, so we get some authentic places and, you know, we have several, um, you know, with us being towards the South and with us being fairly close to Mexico, um, we have a lot of uh, little Mexican restaurants yeah. and little Mexican places that, that pop up. And uh, that was uh, something I really missed when I moved back to the, to the UK originally, because I, I was in, I was in the U S in late eighties and I, I came back and the, there was no Mexican food and I'd got so used to it. I, I mean, I loved cooking, cooking Mexican and I still do, but I, I found a little Mexican restaurant and I used to go and buy tortillas from there because you couldn't get them in the shops. And I used to buy chipotle from there and you could because you couldn't get it in the shops. And now you can get them everywhere. But I still if I go back to the US, it, Mexican food. I was in um, on the border of Colorado, New Mexico, just, you know, just random, every random restaurant, just beautiful. I go to Texas every year and, and um, you know eat my fill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I told I told my mom um, one day I took her to one of my little, my favorite little restaurants and, you know, it's authentic um, Mexican place. Like the cooks barely speak English, like, you know, authentic Mexican. And I, I told my mom and I, I'm going to apologize in advance. This is not racist. I swear. But I told my mom, I said, the the best way to judge a good Mexican restaurant is that when you walk inside, you are the palest face in the room. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, because Mexicans in particular are not going to eat bad Mexican food. Yep. We're yep. not. Same rules. You stand and watch. In there's a, there's a whole. We have a Chinatown in our in in the next in Newcastle, and you stand and you watch where the Chinese go to eat, and you follow them upstairs. You, I mean, you are not going to find the Mexicans at the Taco Bell. No, funny that. So you know, you you want if you want good, authentic Mexican food, you want to be the palest face in the room. Especially, oh, yeah. if you're, I mean, if you are American in particular, you want to be the palest face in the room. And so, my mom and I walk in this in this restaurant, and we are literally the only white people in the room. And I was like, "There you go." I was like, "Point made," because um, it was pretty much all Mexicans. Um, and I was like, this is how, you know, it's a good Mexican restaurant, um, yeah. is the, the Mexicans eat here. And, you know, I, once we ordered and she actually tasted the food, then she understood why it was one of my favorite Mexican restaurants. 
and because it was oh, it's so good. I'm like sitting here drooling, just thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> um, I I could talk I could talk food for hours. I'm such a foodie, um, and my husband is Italian, so we love our pasta too. Um, yeah. So well, just thinking of how close everything is for us. So I said in two hours, I we can get. I mean, in three hours, I'm in Edinburgh. In five hours, I'm in France. Oh wow. Yeah, see. So you, you can you drive to the south coast and you get over into France and suddenly you're in a whole new world of food. Yeah. Uh, everything I, so I, so I do I do struggle with French food. Oh, excuse me. I do struggle with French food, but um uh, it depends I, on the French food. Um, I had a, um, and we've only got about five minutes left, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up very quickly, but I, I had a coworker bring me a, um, roasted chestnut the other day and I, I had never had one before and I'm like, eh, I'll give it a shot. So I, you know, peel the, peel the shell off. And like you literally peel the shell off, like you don't. Yeah, you can buy you buy them. You buy them in the UK as well. Yeah, yeah. I it was the most disgusting thing I've ever done <laughs> in my life. It, you want them when they're covered in sugar, marron glacé. It was. It was not like the flavor wasn't bad. Like it was very sweet. Like it wasn't like the flavor, but it was like eating wet chalk. And I, you know, I, I put it in my, I like popped it in my mouth and I started chewing it and I looked at it, my coworker and I went, and I just got to look at him, pull the trash can out. and The texture's a bit odd. It's not as bad as durian fruit. I've eaten oh. durian fruit. That's the texture is really strange. I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, he just looked at me, he goes, well, at least you tried it. That was very brave. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm never trying it again. Um, so thanks. I was like, but you know, I'm sorry that I spit it out. Um, but no, I that did, was, that was gross. I did send my main character to Paris in the second book just for fun, um, and uh, because I have I have food delivery drones flying around because I can because it's 25 years in the future. But I made sure that the ones in Paris were longer so they could fit the baguettes in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've got about uh, three minutes left. Um, let everyone know uh, where they can find you online to come follow you and come hang out. Okay, you can, if you can spell Kate Borcherell, you'll be able to find me anywhere. So I am on Blue Sky, I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, I have my own website um, where you can, I only do UK shipping for books because it's expensive to take, but you find all my books on Amazon, I'm on um, all the audio channels, so Audible and Spotify and all this sort of stuff, and I actually narrate my own books so you get my dulcet tones, talking you all the way through the first five books um uh, at the moment and um yeah so so just just if you can spell borsharel you will find me i will be sure to include links for everybody who cannot spell borsharel <laughs> <laughs> just to make it simple for everybody um okay well i hope that you have a great time watching your next rugby match and oh, i hope I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. It was an absolute blast. It was brilliant. To, it was brilliant to finally meet you in person. Yes, and, uh, thank you so much for having me.
it, even if it's through a screen, it still feels like it's in person. So I, yes, I, I had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Enjoy your rugby match. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.